Turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Genesis. We're going to look at the life of Isaac and Rebekah in chapter 26. Um, probably an event that's given to us a little bit out of order, um, and we'll talk about why that is um, later on in the sermon. Uh, but it is a, also an event that is very, very similar to one that Abraham went through. Abraham and Sarah went through um, during their life. So let us look now to Genesis chapter 26, beginning in verse 1. Now there was a famine in the land besides the early famine of Abraham's time. And Isaac went to Abimelech, king of the Philistines in Gerar. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, Do not go down to Egypt. Live in the land where I tell you to live. Stay in this land for a while, and I will be with you and will bless you. For to you and your descendants I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky and will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed. Because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commands, my decrees, and my laws. So Isaac stayed in Gerar. When the men of that place asked him about his wife, he said, She is my sister, because he was afraid to say, She is my wife. He thought these men of this place might kill me on account of Rebekah, because she is beautiful. When Isaac had been there a long time, Abimelech, king of the Philistines, looked down from a window and saw Isaac caressing his wife, Rebekah. So Abimelech summoned Isaac and said, She is really your wife. Why did you say she is my sister? Isaac answered him, Because I thought I might lose my life on account of her. Then Abimelech said, What is this you have done to us? One of the men might have slept with your wife and you would have brought guilt upon us. So Abimelech gave orders to all the people, Anyone who molests this man or his wife shall surely be put to death. Isaac planted crops in the land, and the same year reaped a hundredfold, because the Lord had blessed him. The man became rich, and his wealth continued to grow until he became very wealthy. He had so many flocks and herds that, and servants that the Philistines envied him. So all the wells that his father's servants had dug in the time of his father Abraham, the Philistines stopped up, filling them with earth. Then Abimelech said to Isaac, Move away from us. You have become too powerful for us. So Isaac moved away from there and encamped in the valley of Gerar and settled there. Isaac reopened the wells that had been dug in the time of his father Abraham, which the Philistines had stopped up after Abraham died. And he gave them the same names his father had given them. Isaac's servants dug in the valley and discovered a well of fresh water there. But the herdsmen of Gerar quarreled with Isaac's herdsmen and said, The water is ours. So we named the well Essek, because they disputed with him. Then they dug another well, but they quarreled over that one also, so he named it Sitna. He moved on from there and dug another well, and no one quarreled over it. He named it Rehoboth, saying, now the Lord has given us room, and we will flourish in the land. From there he went up to Beersheba. That night the Lord appeared to him and said, I am the God of your father Abraham. Do not be afraid, for I am with you. I will bless you and will increase the number of your descendants for the sake of my servant Abraham. Isaac built an altar there and called on the name of the Lord. There he pitched his tent, and there his servants dug a well. Well, 
Meanwhile, Abimelech had come to him from Gerar with Ahazath, his personal advisor, and Phicol, the commander of his forces. Isaac asked them, Why have you come to me since you were hostile to me and sent me away? They answered, We clearly saw that the Lord was with you. So we said, There ought to be a sworn agreement between us, between us and you. Let us make a treaty with you that you will not do us harm, just as we did not molest you, but always treated you well and sent you away in peace. And now you are blessed by the Lord. Isaac then made a feast for them, and they ate and they drank. Early the next morning, the men swore an oath to each other. Then Isaac sent them on their way, and they left him in peace. That day, Isaac's servants came and told him about the well they had dug. They said, We have found water. He called it Sheba, and to this day the name of the town has been Beersheba. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, as we look to the life of Isaac, we ask that you shine your light into our own lives. Show us where we fall short of your glory. Show us where you have blessed us. Show us where we need to strive to be more holy as you are holy. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. So have you ever been to Walmart or to the grocery store and, and seen the poor parent that's just frazzled and at the end of their rope? They probably started with the best of intentions as they walked into the grocery store, they grabbed the buggy and they, they dropped their child right there in that little seat where the children sit or maybe the, the children are walking along beside them as they're going through the grocery store and Everything was just great as they entered the door. But you know how the story went. You're seeing them at the end of their trip and they're frazzled. You know if you've ever had children or watched a parent walk through a grocery store with their child for any length of time that every aisle they went down there was something the child said, Mom, can I have that? Dad, will you buy me that? No, we're just here for groceries today, nothing for anything special. The next aisle, the questions keep coming. Mom and dad keep saying no. The next aisle, the questions keep coming and get a little bit more, a little bit more animated, a little bit more anxious. And, and by the end of the trip, everybody is just melting down. And finally, the parents are just pleading, will you please stop crying? Will you please just listen to me? And yes, I will buy you something at the end. I promise if you'll just behave, I'll give you what you want. It's hard to tell who's crying louder, the parent or the child sometimes. <laughs> there is a promised blessing for obedience. And today that's what we're going to look like. Today, look at, uh, some days we look like that, yes. But today we're going to look at the fact that God promises to bless based on obedience. We will see today that God promises his blessing to Isaac because Abraham had obeyed in the past and we will see that God gives his blessing to Isaac because of, bless, because of Isaac's obedience. The sound system just kicked on, didn't it? Okay, I don't have to yell quite as loud. All right, and in considering these two realities, we'll see that God's blessing in a hostile world comes through obedience. First, we'll see blessing promised because Abraham obeyed. Now, this account opens up for us today with a declaration. It, it declares to us that it was a famine in the land, and it declares to us that it is a different famine than the one that Abraham went through um, the second time that Abraham had a famine. 
Um, many scholars look at the events of this famine and the, the famine of Genesis 20, and they, they accuse Moses of just taking one event and kind of separating it into two stories. But there's a ton of differences between the two stories, even though there are a ton of similarities between the two. And the first is that the author opens up, Moses opens up and tells us that it's a different famine than the Abraham went through before. And so we need to be careful if we try and smush the two together. But there's this famine in the land. Isaac goes to Abimelech, the king of Gerar, and God comes to Isaac. And he says to Isaac, look, don't leave the land. What happened the first time that Abraham went through a famine right after he had gotten into the promised land? He left for Egypt. Abraham left for Egypt because that's probably where the food was in the middle of a famine. The Nile is a large river. It flows. It finds its source far, far away from where Egypt actually is. And so even during times of famine, the Nile River will continue to flow and continue to flood even oftentimes during a famine and continue to provide areas where food is grown. So it would have been natural and normal for Isaac to go to Egypt because that's where the food is in the middle of a famine. But God comes to Isaac and he says, don't leave the land where you're living. Stay here and I will take care of you. And here is why I will take care of you. God says, I will give all these lands and will confirm the oath I swore to your father Abraham. I will make your descendants as numerous as the stars in the sky, and I will give them all these lands. And through your offspring, all nations on earth will be blessed because Abraham obeyed me and kept my requirements, my commandments, my decrees and my laws. God says to Isaac, look, Abraham did everything I commanded to him. He kept my requirements. What did God require of Abraham? Get up and leave the land where you're living and go to a land I will show you. Circumcise your children and all the males in your household. Abraham did those things. He kept my commandments, my requirements, my decrees and my laws. And God says, because Abraham obeyed me, I will bless you. So blessing comes upon Isaac because of Abraham's obedience. Now, Remember who this was written for. This was originally written for the Exodus generation, that generation that had left Egypt, some who had died in the in the wilderness and some who were getting ready to enter the promised land. And as they hear Moses speak to them in Deuteronomy chapter 11, we hear these words show up again. Requirements, commands, decrees and laws. Uh, the Israelites are told to obey the commands, requirements, decrees, and laws that God had given to them. And what does God promise them for keeping those things? He promises them the blessing of the land. He promises them peace in the land. He promises them descendants. Much of the same things that God has promised to Abraham and to Isaac, God promises to the wilderness generation. Blessings come through obedience. And for Isaac in this point, Blessing comes through Abraham's obedience. But we also see later on in the story that Isaac is blessed because of his own obedience. After God talks to Abraham, what is the very next thing we're told? Isaac stayed in Gerar. 
So here's Isaac in a famine. Remember, Isaac had been given everything that Abraham had. All of his flocks, all of his household, all of, uh, of, of his wealth and riches. And so you have flocks, you have a bunch of people living in your house, in your tent, living with you, and there's a famine. What do you need to take care of flocks and people in a household? You need food. What becomes scarce in the middle of a famine? Food. You see the faith of Isaac here? To listen to God, God says, I will take care of you. I will bless you. Just stay here, even though there's a famine. Even though life is dry, even though it seems like life is just full of spiritual difficulty, physical difficulty, all kinds of oppression, stay here and I will bless you. Rest in the midst of this and I will bless you. And, and Isaac stays. He could have fallen into the same trap his father did and left the land, but he exercised faith and stayed. And then he exercised a tremendous lack of faith right after exercising a tremendous wealth of faith. He exercises a tremendous lack of it. He falls into the same trap here that Abraham does. He goes into the city of Gerar. He looks at his beautiful wife and he says, you know what? My life is uh, in danger because of you, because you're so beautiful. Somebody might try to kill me and take you away from me. So, um, hey, this worked for dad. Let's see how it works for me. Um, tell him you're my sister. And so Rebecca does. Now, God actually protects Rebecca in this in a little bit different way than he protected Sarah. Remember, he protected Sarah by, by, um, by, by drying up the wombs there in, in Gerar. Um, even though Abimelech the king had taken Sarah into his harem, he protected her in that harem and, and, and nothing was physically was done to her. Um, the men of Gerar ignore Rebekah instead. And so uh, Isaac has time with Rebekah. In fact, after a long time, we're told Abimelech looks down and, and sees Isaac um, caressing Rebekah. We kind of get this sense that they were being affectionate to each other, showing uh, that, that personal affection um, that so many of us, uh, at least guys, stay away from uh, these days. Abimelech sees that and he, he puts two and two together. He says, wait a minute, she's not your sister, she's your wife. Why would you do something like this? Why would you endanger the city again? It's kind of the unspoken word there. Why would you endanger the city again by lying to us? And so Isaac explains it. He makes things right with Abimelech. And we're told in the midst of this famine that Isaac plants crops and he receives a hundredfold. Now that's a huge, that's a huge harvest. Um, in the middle of a famine to plant crops uh, and to receive a hundredfold in return in the harvest, that's, that's a huge blessing from God. Not only that, but his flocks increase. His, his servants increase. In the middle of this famine, Isaac is getting richer. Isaac is getting wealthier. Isaac is getting more and more blessed by God. And the citizens of Gerar, they're called the Philistines. These are probably different Philistines than the ones that, that Joshua will deal with, that David and Solomon will deal with. But the, the, in, the inhabitants of the lands, the Philistines, get jealous. And they begin to, to cause strife for Isaac and for his family. They ask Isaac to leave the city and to become nomads in the land. Um, that was also a potential death sentence for Isaac. 
because he had settled in one particular place. He must have had access to some type of well there to be able to water his crops. And now he's being turned out and basically told, hey, wander around in the desert for a while and see how your flocks fare. And he comes to these wells that Abraham, his father, had dug that had been stopped up and he opens one of them up again and he finds water and he gives it the name his father Abraham gave, which signified that he owned it. And yet the inhabitants of the land come and give him grief. And so he leaves. We're told in, three, in two of these wells that he named one Essek and one um, Sitna, which just basically means opposition and disputation. It almost be like if you got into an argument with somebody over your property line, you know, you named the property line argument or something like that. So he names these wells, but he moves on until he finds the one well that his servants dig and nobody gives him any difficulty. So he names it Rehoboth. As I was reading this, I think of that church down in Union, uh, just what, about a quarter mile, half mile outside of Union on three there. It's, it's Rehoboth Methodist Church. I would imagine when they got there and planted that church that they looked at the expanse and the land that they had some freedom and that they had the ability to worship and to gather. And they said, the Lord has given us land and um, we will flourish in the land. It's the same thing Isaac says there. But in the middle of this, in the middle of finding this well called Rehoboth, um, the people from the city realize something. God is blessing them. Abimelech, Ahuzath, Fikol, Fikol, however you pronounce all these names, they say to themselves, I almost kind of imagine them saying to themselves, look, we, we kicked Isaac out into the wilderness. He should not be flourishing. He should not be finding water in the middle of a famine. He should not be growing in flocks and, and wealth still. There must be something else going on here, and we need to make sure that when he grows larger and more powerful, uh, that we've kind of got ourselves protected by going into this treaty. Very much the same way a different Abimelech from Gerar went to Abraham and said, let's go into a treaty so that when you become more and powerful, bigger and powerful, we in Gerar will be safe from you. Now they come to Isaac and they said, look, we treated you really well and we never did anything to harm you, which is a bit of a, of a, a misstatement there. They did treat him well when he was in the city, but remember Abimelech kicked him out. Abimelech put his, his welfare in danger and the people of the area um, caused difficulty for Isaac and for his household. But Abimelech requests the treaty and and look, Isaac lets it slide. Isaac lets this slight slide. They've come to him. I mean, it had to be humbling for a king to come to a shepherd and ask for a treaty. And Isaac says, fine, I'll give you the treaty. In fact, I will fix you a feast and you guys come and fellowship with me here in my home. He keeps the peace. He allows the treaty to go forward. He did very much as his father had done. We see, we started this portion of the account. We had seen already that God had promised blessings because of Abraham's obedience. And we see that God blesses Isaac for his own obedience, even though in the midst of obeying God, he fumbles and he falters. He lies about who Rebekah was. And in his blessing, we see that God blesses through protection 
of Isaac and Rebekah. We see God's blessing that even in the midst of a famine, God increases Isaac's flocks and crops. And we see that God provides water and wells for him in the midst of the famine and in the midst of hostility. And all of these came so that we see that God is in charge of blessing his people. Why is this important? Well, what happened immediately prior to this uh, in, the, in the scripture, not necessarily chronologically, but in the scripture, what we're told immediately prior to this is that Jacob swindles his brother out of his birthright. And what's going to happen immediately after this? Jacob and Rebecca, and Rebecca are going to swindle both Esau and Isaac out of the blessing that God had promised to Jacob when Rebecca was pregnant. And so Moses has taken this story out of order and he's dropped it right in the middle of those two things to serve as a contrast to Jacob and to Rebekah. Because God has promised to bless Jacob, has he not? And God will bless Jacob, but Rebekah and Jacob aren't willing to wait on it. They take matters into their own hands and actually make things worse. And Moses drops this story into the middle of this to say to us, to say to the Israelites, look, sometimes God is slow in our eyes in bringing the blessing that he has promised. Wait on him and he will bring the blessing. You don't have to be underhanded. You don't have to be conniving. You don't have to be scheming. You don't have to be dishonest to get the blessing that God has promised you. In fact, that will cause you far more difficulty in the, in the future. If Isaac had given Esau the blessing that was Esau's by right of being the firstborn, could God still not have made Jacob the younger, the ruler of Esau, the older? Yes, he could have. But Jacob and Rebekah do not learn this lesson. Rebekah definitely does not learn this lesson. Here, the Israelites did not learn this lesson as well. We are called to obey God and let God work out the details of blessing us, no matter how the circumstances around us seem to be stacked against that blessing. God promises to bless Isaac because of Abraham's obedience. God blesses Isaac because of Isaac's own obedience. God has promised to bless us in many, many ways as well. And he calls us to be obedient. But like Abraham, like Isaac, like the Israelites after them, we, we struggle with obedience, do we not? God has given us his laws. He has promised to um, offer redemption for those who obey him. He has promised to offer life for those who obey him. But we as humans... Um, we stumble, we fail, we falter, we sin, we, 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 we uh, do transgressions against God, and we do not deserve life. But what does God do with this promised blessing for those who believe? Well, just like many of Isaac's blessings came because of Abraham's obedience, our blessings come because of Jesus' obedience. God said he will save. God says he will give life to those who have faith. God cannot just allow punishment to be set aside. Punishment for sin has to be given, and yet he gives us life. 
He counts us as righteous because Christ has been obedient before us. We are given Christ's righteousness. He is given the punishment for our sins, has been given the punishment for our sins, and we are declared reconciled before God. We are given the blessings of covenant faithfulness because Jesus was faithful on our behalf. God promises blessings for those who are obedient, and he brings blessings upon his children in the midst of a hostile world. We as the church in America have been turned out, so to speak. The world around has seen that in the midst of difficulty, we have been blessed. In the midst of of struggle and trial, God has brought blessing upon his people, and our culture has said, get out. We don't want you around anymore. God will continue to bless his church even in the midst of a culture that is hostile. Just as God blessed Isaac in the middle of a famine, in the middle of a group of people that did not want him around and took everything that he built away from him, God blessed Isaac. God will continue to bless his people in the church. We are just called to obey. We're not called to sneak around. We're not called to be scheming. We're not called to connive. We are called to obey and be faithful to God. And just as he has covered us with the righteousness of Christ, he will continue to cover us with his blessings. And one of his blessings is is that he will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Let us pray. Our gracious God and Holy Father, we do ask that you find us faithful that you find us obedient, and we ask that you continue to bless this church and your church in America and around the world. We pray all this in Christ's name. Amen.